That's right. We are so grateful for uh, men and women who have served our country. And if you are a, a veteran or currently serving or have served, we want to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you for what you've done. And this week, we're going to be thinking about you and uh, asking God uh, to give you uh, just peace and grace and, uh, and good things because you've been there for us. So we thank you for that. You know, there's something we all have in common. Um, we've all had those embarrassing moments <laughs> that uh, in time, we look back and laugh about them, right? Those moments that uh, in, in, you're humiliated in the moment, but later you can just look back and laugh about them. I know um, for me, I, <laughs> I can't uh, think of how many I could uh, choose from, so I've got a long list of them, but one I was thinking about was actually uh, several years ago, I had a chance to go to Memphis, Tennessee, and uh, as I was spending time in Memphis, we went to Graceland. Those of you who might know, that is Elvis's home, his estate, right? So we got, took a tour of Graceland, and uh, we saw where he's buried, his mom's buried, and all the rumors and, and all the, the inside scoop, and there was a lot of uh, controversy around some of those things, and just like, they, all, they lead you to believe there's something more here, right? And uh, when I was at the airport getting ready to fly home, um, I had some time to kill, had a couple hours, and so I was wandering around like you do, and now you can just shop in the airport, right? And I'm going to shop, to shop, to shop, and I went to this Elvis shop. I mean, there's Elvis shops all over there, but I went to this Elvis shop, and there was cool stuff in there, and, and the lady seemed really nice at the counter, and so I thought, man, I, I, want, I want to know if there's really something, you know, that she might know. She's, uh, you know, have you lived here long? Oh, yeah, I've grown up here my whole life. So I said, you know, so what do you think about Elvis? You, you think it just went down the way it did? And and she kind of motions like this, says, come here. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be good. And I walk over there and I lean into her and she goes, your zipper's down. Um, yeah. So uh, I'd been walking around for a couple hours, shop to shop, and uh, she's the only one that had the guts to tell me <laughs> about it. So I was humiliated. But I can look back now. It's only been 25 years. I can laugh about it. But, you know, we've also had those humiliating, shameful moments that are too painful to remember. And we don't speak about them. And there are moments that we would give anything if we could unlive or redo. We have those moments as, man, if I could only, how many hours and days have we wished that we could go back and unlive that moment, unlive that day, redo that decision? You know, Simon Peter had one of these. And uh, <clears throat> we know this because. He tells us about it, and he wants us to know, Peter wants us to know that there's a place that we can take the what-ifs, those that were shameful and painful, and <clears throat> this has been a crazy week. I don't have to tell you that. Uh, Captain Obvious, it's been an emotional roller coaster for many of us, but do you see where we are in the book of Mark right now? We are going into Jesus' trial and crucifixion. And this was put into play long before we knew any results of this election. In fact, long before we knew the upheaval that we'd be facing right now. And isn't it interesting? I don't believe in random acts. Everything our country has gone through politically, I think we need to be reminded of this truth right now more than ever before. And isn't it amazing that God's timing in this whole thing, because we are in this room today for something that's bigger than politics, something bigger than elections, 
And I think we need to be reminded, why are we in this room? Because an event that happened in history that was history-changing and life-changing, if you've accepted it. In fact, the Apostle Paul said it this way, I consider everything garbage compared to the cross of Jesus Christ. I consider everything a loss. You just give me the cross of Christ. He said, if I could preach one message, it would be this. Jesus died on a cross for your sins. What a powerful thing. I mean, it's just kind of like right back to the basics. And I think if Peter was here today, he would want us to know that while the past might remind us, it doesn't have to define us. I love the fact that the Bible isn't all polished up and everybody that made the right decisions. It's populated with stories of people that made the worst decisions. But I love what Jesus does with their lives. And if you're carrying something that's painful and shameful, I'm glad that you're here today. And I don't think it's an accident that you're here today. We're in the series, part seven of the story, the story that should have died in Rome, but it didn't. It's the story of, of Jesus. But it's narrated or, or told, it's really Simon Peter's life story with Jesus, and it was written by John Mark. You'll remember that John Mark was, was with, with Peter. He was his apprentice. He was his assistant, and he was a Greek, so he had the ability to write, and he realizes that Peter's got this amazing story. You see, for 30 years, Peter has been traveling around and meeting in house after house after house and small church and small church and writing letters and saying, here's my story. Here's what happened. Here is what happened between me and Jesus. And Mark says, we need to write this down. We've got to capture this for future generations. And so the gospel of Mark comes to us as someone that's narrating their own story. It's not just the Bible. Sometimes we go, well, it's just reading the Bible. No, you can imagine this. Peter right now is in Nero's Rome in jail, and Mark is writing his story. And Peter wants everyone to know that Jesus' main theme, Jesus' main thing he wanted to connect with us was this. And this is the theme we've been in, this passage of Scripture in Mark 1.15. It says, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. This is something so great that you need to repent. Literally, that means to turn towards something and embrace it. And can I tell you, the good news is not just that Jesus died so that you can go to heaven. It's that God revealed himself with skin. Jesus said, if if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Think about the power of that. God, this untouchable, unknowable, unseeable. Everywhere else in the Bible says you can't see God or you won't, you won't survive it. And then Jesus came and said, guess what? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. God the Father is like Jesus. And after all the time where God was untouchable, it's so great that we can connect with Jesus. Now, in the previous message we talked last week, we realize that Jesus has made his way all the way south from Galilee in, in the city, or excuse me, in the nation of Israel. It's a long, drawn-out country, and way up north, Jesus has been up there, and his ministry has been there, and he traveled all the way down south, and he spent the last week in Jerusalem basically disturbing the peace. <laughs> and the, the disciples were ready for a big reveal. You remember, they came joyfully, triumphantly into the city. And they thought, aha, now Jesus is going to come out and he's going to, he's going to be revealed as the new king. 
but it wasn't what they were expecting. You remember last week we celebrated communion and we get the story in Mark 14, 22. It says, when they were eating, Jesus took bread and when he'd given thanks, he broke it and he gave it to a disciple. He said, this is my body. And they're like, what? Can you imagine hearing this for the first time? And then he took the cup after he'd given thanks. He gave it to them and they all drank from it. And he said, this is my, my blood of the covenant, the new agreement. This is a covenant between God and everyone. But what about the kingdom they were looking for? See, they were looking for a, an actual kingdom that looked like the things that they'd seen around their culture. Turns out there's not going to be a kingdom. Then Jesus is arrested. And Peter, probably one of the most embarrassing moments of his life, he makes sure is in the story, everyone deserted him and fled. And you must, you must imagine that for the next three days, they thought it was over. They thought there would be no kingdom. And it was obvious that God was not near. You imagine for three and a half years, they've been hearing, repent, the kingdom is near. And now they're trying to grasp, maybe God isn't here after all. And then Peter begins to give us details of the trial of Jesus. You ever wonder how he got all those details from the trial of Jesus? It's because many of the rulers at the time later became followers of Jesus. We'll talk about it this next week. But literally, many of those that were in judgment of Jesus would later come to see him as the Messiah. But we see that they took Jesus to the high priests. And all the chief priests and the elders and the teachers of the law came together. This is a big deal. This is like Democrats and Republicans all agreeing on one thing. You know, that's a miracle. That ain't going to happen. But guess what? They all had a common enemy. The common enemy was Jesus. It's interesting. I've been able to be in Israel. I've been able to be in this area where they believe that they have excavated where the high priest's house was. And they actually see these steps that come up and that they can say with almost certainty that probably this is the route that Jesus was taken up to this place where he's on trial. And Peter followed at a distance right into the courtyard of the high priest. And he sat with the guards warming himself by the fire. And Mark might said to Peter, are you sure you want to include this? I mean, you know, you've been a leader in the church. You, you're supposed to be somebody we look up to. Are you sure you want to include all of what you're going to say next? And Peter says, yeah, I was no hero. There were no heroes in these moments. And the chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for evidence against Jesus so they could put him to death, and they couldn't find any. Many testified falsely against him, but their statements wouldn't even agree. So they, they got all these false witnesses in there trying to cook the trial, and they can't even get the people to agree. Well, I think he said this. Well, I think he said that. And then the high priest realizes that they're wasting time, and he gets right up in Jesus' face, and he says, why aren't you going to answer? What is the testimony that men are bringing against you? But Jesus remained silent and gave no answer. And again, the high priest asked, are you the Messiah, the son of the blessed one? Jesus' destiny hung in the balance of how he answered that question. And he said, I am. He took it into his own hands. The scripture tells the, the priest tore his clothes. And why do we need any more witnesses? You've heard the blasphemy. What do you think? And they all condemned him. Everyone, every faction in that group condemned him as worthy of death. And some began to spit at him, and they blindfolded him, and they struck him with their fists and said, prophesy, and the guards took him and beat him. 
And Mark knows what's coming next, and he might have asked Peter again, man, are you sure you want to include what's next? And he says, yes, people need to know. They need to know how far God's grace and mercy is going to go. I did the unthinkable, unthinkable. I did the unpardonable. While Jesus was being interrogated, I did nothing. And worse than that, I sat outside and warmed myself by the fire. Imagine Peter's thoughts as he's going through this. And he doesn't stay there long because one of the servant girls of the high priest came by and she saw Peter warming himself and she looked at him closely and said, you were also with the Nazarene, but Peter denied it. And he probably is telling Mark, I I tried to get away from it. I, I stepped away and went over by the gate and they recognized me again. And she said again to those standing around, this fellow's one of them and I denied it again. And then others start staring at him and they said, surely you're one of them. You are a Galilean. And verse 14 and 71 says, I begin to call down curses and swore to them. I do not know this man you're talking about. And then just as Jesus predicted, the rooster crows. And it all comes flashing back to Peter. And he realizes exactly where he's at. He realized exactly he did what he said he would never do. He realized that he had failed in the way that any friend could never possibly imagine failing. And Peter broke down and wept. That's the moment that he would give anything to unlive and redo. Imagine how many nights Peter must have laid there and said, if I could change one thing, I would have stood true all the way through. Maybe you've been there too. I said, man, if, if it, you know, my life would have been great except for that one decision that I made. If I could just unlive it or if I could redo it. And what we're really saying is that if I can unlive it and redo it, I would be more acceptable to God. If I could unlive it or redo it, then Jesus would love me more. I would be a better example of what a Christian should be, you know, all perfect and everything. And in verse, chapter 15, verse 3 to 5, it says, and the chief priests accused him of many things. So Pilate asked him, are you going to defend yourself? But Jesus made no reply. They took him to Pilate. Pilate was this egotistical Roman leader of the area, and, and he was amazed. It says Pilate was amazed. This was usually when uh, a man, a courageous man, would drop to his knees and beg for his life or beg for a quick death. This is usually where Pilate knew when they come before me, they're going to cower and they're going to want their life. But Jesus didn't do that. What shall I do then, says Pilate, and then this one you call king of the Jews. But see, That even term was offensive to them. Crucify, they shouted. And the soldiers led him away and called together the whole company of soldiers. Now, these are not Roman legions that take Jesus away. These are actually auxiliary soldiers drawn from the neighboring regions, and they hated Judeans. You ever wonder why there was such brutality and ruthlessness in this whole event The idea of a Jewish king was absolutely disgusting to them. And the cruel, violent, are just unleashed on Jesus. And they put a purple robe on him and twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on him. And they begin to 
call out to him, Hail, King of the Jews. It's mockery at its finest. And again, they struck him on the head. You see, Pilate thought, if I could just get him beaten, he probably won't even survive that because so many times many didn't even survive the 39 stripes. They mocked him and they took off the purple robe and they put his own clothes back on him and they brought him to a place called Golgotha. And verse 24, it says very simply, and they crucified him. There's no details given here because everyone that was reading this story didn't need any details because they had seen a crucifixion themselves. They had seen what it is. And I'm telling you, we have never got it right. I was thinking about this. I was studying this week. We do a lot of Easter plays. We predict and project what Jesus went through. And even Hollywood kind of can't. We, they sand off the edges. They can't get it right. But in the moment, it's, and even your own mind, the moment that God is most glorified is the moment that we would be most horrified. This can't be the plan. Ever been there before? God, this is not what we prayed for. This can't be your plan. We would have all turned our heads and looked away, and the crowd continued to hurl insults. So they began to take Jesus' teaching and just throw it back at him. You who said you're going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come off the cross and save yourself. And listen to what they said. He saved others, but he can't save himself. Peter's dictating this to Mark, and he must admit, man, when I look back on it now, Peter understood Jesus' desire to save others was precisely why he couldn't save himself. Do you know, if Jesus would have saved himself, he would have been unable to save others. He would have been unable to save me. If Jesus would have taken the right to come off the cross, which was totally his, he couldn't have saved you. Such a powerful event. And they said, let this Messiah, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we might see and believe. Isn't that significant? They're actually preaching the gospel. In their insults, they're actually preaching the gospel. Why don't you come off that cross, come back to life, and we will see and believe. Watching from the back of the crowd, Peter didn't think those words were significant. What he saw two days later explained why 30 years later, he's still believing, saying, you don't know what I've seen, and I'm telling you, this is why this is the truth. There's interesting details in here as, you remember, Jesus established a new agreement, a new covenant, the night before at the, at the Last Supper. In verse 33, it said, at noon, darkness came over the whole land, and at about three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Peter knew why, because he explained later in letters to the church after Jesus was risen and the church was established, here's how Peter said it, 1 Peter 2, 24, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross. You see, he's looking back and going, it all, make, it all makes sense now. So many of us have a hard time believing that we can be forgiven for what we've done. But Peter would say today, all that stuff you want to unlive and redo, man, I've been there, and guess what? No, he took our sin. 
The Father withdrew from the Son so that the Father could draw near to you. So, we would never be far because of this event. Again, we've been so occupied with all this stuff, and I'm telling you, this is the event, it's the glue that holds us together. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. And Peter would say, because he found out later, this extraordinary thing had happened. At that moment, God created a divine visual aid. (laughs) It was like divine vandalism, if you will. Maybe that's not a good way to say it right now. But But basically it says that the curtain of the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom. I did some research. There's two curtains in the temple. It doesn't say which one was torn, but the curtain in the temple was no just simple curtain. It was the width of a man's hand, that thick. Can you imagine a curtain? It said it took 300 priests to be able to put this into place. And at this moment, God says, guess what? We're open for business. (laughs) And he rips it from top to bottom. The covenant between God and the human race was officially ratified. Everyone was invited to participate. He said, you know what? No more hiding behind the curtain. It's going to be wide open. And Peter would say, me, who? I was disloyal to the king and deserved, I deserved nothing. But I didn't get what I deserved. Peter includes himself when he says, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross. He includes your sins. He includes my sins. He includes those things that we don't just laugh off as an embarrassing moment, those things that you've tried to hide from everybody. Jesus took those on himself. That same forgiveness and restoration is available to you. Because the time had come. Again, back to the very beginning of Jesus' message. The time has come. The kingdom of God is near. It's close to you. Repent, turn, and receive this. His kingdom was something different than an administration set up on earth. Administrations set up on earth come and go. Administrations on earth can be corrupt Administrations on earth can be twisted and turned, but he's like, no, 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 you got to understand, my kingdom, the, the good news I want you to believe is no matter what you've done, no matter how long you've done it, no matter who you've done it with, I took care of it. And it's because of what happened on the cross that we sit in this room today. I would contend to you because of what happened on the cross, you can walk out of this building with your head held high and know that God is still in control. Because in the darkest moments in human history, and I don't think we've ever seen anything like this, the darkest moments in human history, God was still active and he was very near. Although Peter felt like he was all alone, God was closer to him in that moment because he was taking care of those things that Peter wanted to relive and undo you're not far Peter would tell us (laughs) if you have seen what I saw you would believe this good news and what happens next week and I I know we're we're kind of you say man is this Palm Sunday is this like Easter we've got to get back to what we know is true about who Jesus is this is still the best news this world can ever hear 
But in closing, I think it would be a, I can't lose this opportunity for you. And you say, well, the numbers are low, and so only believers are in the room. Well, I'm telling you, this is an opportunity to receive the gift that Jesus made available to the world, the gift of forgiveness. The gift of what the Bible calls reconciliation, those big words that the life groups have been looking at and making things right with God. And if it dawned on you that you actually believe this, or maybe you say, man, I need to get back to this again, that Jesus is who Peter says he is. He's the risen Savior, the Son of God. I think it's really healthy for us to say that prayer again. And in the next service, I'm going to be inviting people online, no matter where they're watching, no matter when they're watching, just to stop and repeat a prayer and just say a prayer. Would you do that with me right now? Would you just pray after me, Heavenly Father? Like Peter, I believe Jesus bore my sin in his body. On the cross, I place my faith in him as my Savior and my Lord. Thank you for forgiving me of my sin. In Jesus' name. I'm telling you, those words matter. Those words matter. If you've said that prayer, if you've taken a reconnection, that's the thing. No matter where your life has taken you, there's always one step back. There's always one step back to Christ. I heard one person say one time, you can take a thousand steps away from Jesus, but it's, it's only one step back. I just want to pray right now. Father, I thank you for your word today. I thank you, God, that you love us and you care for us. And God, I thank you for this look back in history. And I know that sometimes looking at your death is not as easy when we really think about the consequences of that day. There can be guilt and there can be like looking back on times that we've done the worst and many times we can feel more guilty but God, thank you that your death took away guilt. Your death took away sin. You took our sins on your body. And God, maybe we believe that for 50 years. God, may we refocus on that today and say, God, we're so thankful for what grace means in our life. God, I pray for people today that are going to turn back and maybe say that for the first time and, and really connect with you as a leader and a friend. God, thank you that from the first century to this 21st century, it's still true. It's still right. Jesus is leading a kingdom that can never go away, and we've been invited to it. God, thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If uh, you've made a decision for Christ today, you know that way you can connect with us right now in, in your hot sheet. Just grab that connect card. If, if this has led to a, a place of decision for you, let us know that. We want to help you with that. We're also going to open the prayer wall in just a moment. And that's a place where you can come. There'll be people there right behind these tables. Very safely, very appropriately, they will pray for you and pray with you. I want you to be able to do that. Would you stand with me today? And uh, just before we dismiss you and allow you to go to the prayer wall or go about your day, I just want to say thank you. Uh, a week ago, Saturday night, Pastor Lisa and her team put on an incredible event out in the parking lot, and we just wanted to say thank you so much for those of you that participated or brought candy. We loved on our community. We loved on our kids. 
And I think that's so important. So uh, it was great. If you want to know more about that, you can go on our social media and see the recap of that. But I just want to tell Pastor Lisa and all of her workers and everyone that was a part of it, thank you so much for doing that. And until I see you, yeah, you bet. I pray that this week as we really celebrate Veterans Day, that you would thank someone that served our country. Until I see you again, I pray that God would bless you and keep you, that he would turn his face towards you, shine his countenance on your life, and that you would hear his words in your ear. I did this for you. You don't have to be ashamed anymore. God bless you as you go live the life today. Hey guys, this is Pastor Dave. I just wanted to say thank you for joining us today for this podcast. You know, at Family Life Church, our vision is to create a safe, authentic environment where people connect with Jesus. And we don't believe it's an accident that you joined us today. You know, if this message meant something to you, we would love to hear from you. You can connect with us on our website at myflc.org. Or you can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Family Life Church Newburgh. And I invite you to subscribe to this podcast and you can listen regularly. But I just want to say thank you and God bless your week.